Hello, and welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. This week, we have the anthem, God So Loved the World, by John Stander, performed by our own sanctuary choir. And then the sermon, Saved by the Snake, preached by Dr. Rizal. Thanks for joining Let's pray. God, open our eyes spiritually, our hearts, our ears, 
to what you have to say. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you are afraid of snakes? Okay. Oh, the hands went up. All right. How many of you are afraid of ladybugs? Okay. Well, that's good. We have one crawling on the pulpit. I've been watching him on the floor all the way to the top. So, thankfully I'm not. I have no reason to be anyway. I have to read a passage of scripture for you or tell you the story of a particular a passage. Jesus referenced a story from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. And in this story, the people of Israel being brought out of the land of Egypt grow tired of manna. They are frustrated. They say it's better that we were slaves in Egypt than out here eating this manna. God punishes them by sending snakes, serpents, fiery serpents to bite them. When they finally beg Moses, have God call these off, God ask, Moses asks God, call these fiery serpents off. God says, no. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a snake, a brass snake, on a pole and lift it up. And those who want to be alive, who want to save themselves, should look on that pole. A very strange story, but Jesus referenced this in John 3, 14. It doesn't make the signs we put on our t-shirts or on the fences in our favorite sporting areas. 316 does. One of my earliest memories was walking in the rice fields with my father. I was about three or four years old. And we were walking near a rice levee. Perhaps you know what that is. It guides the water where it should go. We spotted something long and black. My father knew what it was. It was a water moccasin. Poisonous snake common to that part of the country, maybe here too. His voice became a whisper. He leaned down to me. He said, son, you see that snake? I said, yeah. He said, don't move. Stay right here. He went, got his gun, and shot it. They say the only good snake is a dead snake. Have you heard this? You've said it? One summer on a hike in North Carolina mountains, a hiker said, I want everyone to know that I am deathly afraid of snakes. I suffer from herpetophobia. So she said, I'm fine as long 
as no one finds a snake. And if you do, do not tell me, because I will go totally ballistic. Another hiker said, well, that's wonderful. The thing you fear most in life is a secretive reptile, the chances of which of finding is very slim. She said, I almost envy you. I fear planes crashing into buildings, buildings crashing to the ground, the collapse of my 401k, dreaded virus from China. You're lucky if the thing that scares the wits out of you is just a reptile. But sure enough, a Harris poll was taken. 40% of Americans listed snakes as the thing they feared most, beating public, spe public speaking and spiders. In fact, there were differences between men and women. It was somewhere around 49% of women who said they were afraid of snakes. And just over 20% of men said they were afraid of snakes. Those are the men who would admit it. I'm not scared of snakes as long as I have some warning that they are there. I don't want to be surprised by a snake. I don't want to be walking along and see a stick reach down to grab it and find that it bends and hisses and rattles. So then I'm afraid of snakes. But I have to have snakes on my own terms, you see. I'm okay with the good ones, but it's hard to tell a good one from a bad one, isn't it? Maybe you're the kind that can tell a good snake from a bad snake. You can't go by size, you know. You can find a big, long, gray snake, and it'd be a perfectly good snake. You may find a small, brown, copper-colored snake, and it not be so good. I just jump at both. Don't stand around to find out if it's good or bad. So maybe it's true the only good snake is a dead snake. Right? But what's there to be afraid of, right? More people are stung and killed by bee stings than snakes. And who is interested in statistics when you come across a snake? It's the primordial fear in us. Something slippery and slimy, slithering. Now take that primordial fear and place it on top of a, the strange story in Numbers 21. Maybe the strangest of all stories. And like our day and time, snakes can be both good and bad. The Pharaoh of Egypt wore a headpiece with a hooded cobra on it as though to remind people that if you threaten me, I will strike you with my venom. The Sumerian god of healing walked around with a pole with two intertwined snakes on his staff. You may remember or have recalled seeing that because the AMA Medical, uh, the American Medical Association used that as its symbol, a strange symbol for healing. That is, two snakes, both threat and salve, one can hurt and also help, twisted together in a strange sort of healing 
If you've had surgery recently or at any time, you know that those people who work under that pole are those twisted snakes that hurt you and help you, hurt you and help you. There's also the Greek God of healing. He not only carried a snake on a pole, but he himself could transform into a snake. So those snakes back then could be saviors, but they could also be demons. They could go both ways. The strangest thing about snakes, too, is they can go six miles per hour without any feet. They can climb trees without hands. Very odd. They can shed skin. They can start all over again. Don't you wish you could do that? Well, snakes, typically we don't find them in our backyards. Mostly we find them in the nightmares we have it from time to time. But if you're anything like me, I prefer bunnies. Give me a bunny at Easter. Don't give me a, a plush snake, though my son would like a plush snake. Right. Yeah. I prefer bunnies. They're, they're not threatening at all, are they? They're soft and cuddly, but they aren't in the Bible. Snakes are. Moses was with the Hebrew people in the wilderness. He makes a brass snake has the people to look up at it to save their life. Now some will say, well, that sounds like an idol. Weren't there commandments against idols, golden calves? And yet they were told to look up at this brass snake in godlike reverence and it would save them. What a strange story. And it was God's idea. Sending the snakes to bite these ungrateful people. Disgusting. They complained about the manna. Tired, lost. They've been eat, eating this manna day after day after day. They say to God, we're sick of this stuff. We had it better in Egypt. So God sends serpents slithering across the desert, desert to kill them for complaining. These are not snakes of a devil. These belong to God. The slithering ones that are alive, the brass ones twisted on a staff, all this is God's. Life killing and life giving. What a strange story. Good snakes and bad snakes, they all belong to God. They're called fiery serpents. That's what it feels like when you get bitten by a poisonous snake. It feels like fire. Same word as the seraphim that guard God's throne in Isaiah 6. Seraph. These fiery, slithery serpents frighten, hurt, and save. That's not what we think of when we think of heavenly messengers, is it? When I think of a heavenly messenger, an angel, I think back to that old TV show, Touched by an Angel, right? Della Reese, 
or what was it? Highway to Heaven, Michael Landon. And when these angels show up, they're positive. You can tell who's good and who's bad, right? These messengers, not so. They look like both. Angels that I think about never bite anybody. They don't slither and they look only good. But scripture has a different story. It's almost as if God says, let me remind you how to appreciate the gift of life. Can't say everything that we suffer is a reminder for us, a test to remember why we should appreciate life. But I do recall back when I had a blood clot, my first one, I remember thinking, you make it through this, you're going to appreciate life a little more. Spend more time with people you love. Stay in touch with friends. It happens. God shocks the people to admit God actually has done quite a lot for them. And they appreciate life. Poisoned back to their senses, I guess. They apologize to Moses. They confess their sin. And Moses calls on God, take these serpents away. And God says, no. But I will do something for them. Put one on a pole. Put a brass one on there so that people look at it, they'll live. And looking up rather than down at the dangers around their feet, they'll be saved. So Moses makes one, a replica of evil, the something they fear, the source of anxiety and pain. And he puts that on a pole and says, look at your fear. This terrible thing of, of death is the symbol which gives you life. It's mysterious. We can't explain it. Evil and danger transformed somehow. The things that appear because of their sin are the things that get them out of their sin. Save them. The means of death becomes a way of life, you see. So the hands of God, good and evil, danger and hope, life and death, they get all mixed up together. And we can't explain it. Mysterious. So powerful did that pole and snake become for the people of Israel that eventually King Hezekiah had to have it broken because they began to worship that snake rather than worshiping God. And now in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus says about himself, the brass serpent on a pole lifted up, that's me. One night, a reverend came to him, Nicodemus, you remember him? came slithering up to him with his biting words about 
religion and eternal life. And Jesus spoke to him about these very things, serpents, darkness, and light, death, and life. Well, he couldn't tell being with Jesus was life or death, like dying or being born again. Which is it? John calls Jesus the good shepherd. He also calls him the good snake. Because he came surprising us. He came slithering into our world, shocking us, jarring us from our own comfort and self-reliance. And he did what well, you and I did. He grabbed our axe, our gun, and we beat it to death because he came opening his mouth and his words were venomous and they bit us they were prophetic especially angered the reverends and we whipped him and lifted him up on a pole and lifting him up toward heaven all those venomous words became salve for our sores. The way for healing our bites and saving our lostness. Even those standing at the foot of that pole with axes looked up and said, surely this was the Son of God. I don't know how to translate this into our life, what it means for us, the strange story. Except maybe to say, before we say with confidence what is good and what is bad, maybe first we say, I'm not sure. First. Because there are times when we go running with axe and shovel, beating something to death, rooting it out because it's evil, and then we put a smile on our face as though we're creatures of light, when inside our heart we know, coiled up in the darkness, is a death-dealing serpent. Or maybe before we go to God as our soft bunny friend, we are reminded that in his presence we are bitten and before we can be saved we must confess. Sometimes it feels like dying. Sometimes Sundays are hard. More hurt than help. We must be bitten before we can be healed. Today, high and lifted up, looming over the sanctuary and over our lives, is God's fiery reminder that angels can sometimes appear to be enemies, messengers 
can bring messages of pain and that a true Savior stings us before he saves us. Will you look? Will you look at it? Will you take that risk? Let it save you. Maybe it is true what they say. The only good snake is a dead one. Pray with me, please. Lord, it hasn't been easy to listen to this. Sometimes we come to church to get a good pick-me-up. But we leave bitten. We confess we came imperfect. We came having sinned, stained with it. We need you to clean us, remind us the gift you give. Give us the courage to look up for our salvation to the one die for us in order to save us. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.